Couch Wisdom. Couch Wisdom. Hey, this is Jordan Rothline from Red Bull Music Academy. Welcome to Couch Wisdom, Red Bull Radio's podcast presenting the best of RBMA's lecture archive. Marshall Allen is the third man to helm the Sun Ra Orchestra. The alto saxophonist joined the group in 1958 and led its reed section for over 40 years. An avant-garde multi-instrumentalist, Allen is also known as a pioneer for fusing jazz with traditional African sounds, working with Babatunde Olatunji to introduce the kora to Western ears. In this episode of Couch Wisdom, recorded at the 2016 Red Bull Music Academy in Montreal, Allen was joined by Danny Ray Thompson, a bassoon player and saxophonist who joined the orchestra in the mid-60s, managed Sun Ra for 10 years, and handled production of the L. Saturn recordings. Together, the pair recall their career with one of music's greatest visionaries, from the rehearsals to his humor and philosophies. If you want to learn more about the Academy, please stay tuned after the lecture. For now, enjoy this bit of Couch Wisdom. Please welcome Mr. Marshall Allen. Thank you. Welcome. (laughs) That's nice. May my heart bubble. So how how does that feel? You're part of this orchestra, orchestra rather, you know, for many, many years, and then you make that transition to eventually lead it. It's just like life is. I'm sitting here, you talking, and then you all got up and cheered for me. And that's a feeling, and that's spontaneous, and it's a good feeling. So it's the same thing with the orchestra. When you play some music and you come away feeling good. So you play the music for your well-being so you can give others some when you play. So y'all made my well-being with a cheer, you see? So... It's not complicated, it's very simple, you see? I mean, I think there's a lot of Sun Ra fans in this room. There are probably some who are not familiar with Sun Ra. For somebody who is not, perhaps, what is the best way to explain what, who and what Sun Ra is? All right. Like, um, we're all young at one time, and we're looking for our place in space. Okay. I come out of the uh, Army, and, and I studied a little bit at, at the National Conservatory in Paris. And then I come back home, and I'm ready. I thought I was, anyway. I'm ready to uh, find my place in a band, because I love bands. So I was around Chicago, so I heard about Sun Ra through a uh, record producer and jazz analyst and whatever you want to call it. He had a record store, so he gave me a record with Sun uh, Ra's music on it. I heard the music, and I fell in love with the sound of the music and the way it was played. And I said, oh, oh, that's beautiful. And I went back to buy another. He says, you know, Sun Ra's looking for musicians. He's always looking for young musicians with talent that want to play. 
And I said, yeah. He said, yeah, he lives on the south side. I said, I live over there. So they was rehearsing in ballrooms. They had a rehearsal place every day they would rehearse. So I said, I'm going over there. So I took my little horn and I marched over to Sun Ra. And he was in the ballroom. The band was rehearsing. He was writing music or poetry or something. Anyway, and I asked him to join. So he he talked about the Bible, the ancient Egypt, and and outer space, everything but the music. <laughs> he said, so I sit there with him for four hours. And four hours, and then he says, oh, I'm going over to see a band playing next door, and we got to eat. And I'm going over that. So I went to eat, and we went to her, the band, and I'm still listening to some Rod talking about uh, the Bible and ancient Egypt and outer space. God, and he ain't said nothing to me about playing, so. <laughs> I was late for work. Next morning, of course, I was working. And I was late for work and coming all blurry eyed because I sit up there all night listening to Sun Ra's philosophy and uh, things like that and music. So he told me, uh, uh, come over to John Gilmore's house. He lived in the neighborhood. John Gilmore, the saxophone player. And um, we'll see. I'll be over there playing. So he was over there in the morning. I went over there and we played. He played and then he kept, John was asleep because he had a gig last night. So he's laying in bed, so he coming. Um, play this. Play what? Then he played on the piano. Boom, boom, boom. Play that. Play what? <laughs> I can look for some music or something. No, it wasn't. And he gave me a little, little. Uh, he would play something and told me to play to see what I play like with no music and no everything. So I said, "Oh boy!" So we, uh, he played a song and I played on it. So he said, "Okay, come to rehearsal tomorrow." So we come to rehearsal. I sit there. Everybody's rehearsing, and I'm sitting there like that. So then he is. Everybody stopped and cool, and then he played the piano. Then he told me to play a little bit to want to see how I play. And that's good, but you're too sentimental and this and that. And and I was saying, what is all of this? <laughs> Every day I come back to someone, I said, now you're going to get rid of me like that. I was determined to get in that band. So he told me I, every day, every night I come from work, I go to rehearsal instead of going home. And uh, he finally gave me a part, one song. So I didn't have a chair, so I had to stand by the piano and the bass. And I stand up there, no seat, just stand up right there while everybody else was sitting and playing. But I wanted to get in that band, so that's the way I got in it. I had my discipline, and I was determined that all this talk about space and the Bible and everything, and do I know this, do I know that, I, I'm going to learn to be quiet, shut my mouth, and learn. So that's how I got in the band. I had the discipline to listen to him and try to understand everything he's saying, which I didn't. Not everything he <laughs> said. So anyway, he let me play one song that we rehearsed at John Gilmore's house, and that was my song. 
It was called Spontaneous Simplicity. And that was the only song I played in the band. So and then I become rehearsal and I got the music. Then he says, oh, you're playing it, but you're playing it too sentimental. And you're playing it this way. And you're not playing it right. So other words, it is the code he had of how to express a simple line of notes. Now, it's a thousand ways I suppose to express it, but he had a certain way. So I had to learn how to express this note. How to, because the note said, da dee da dee. Now, and I would, uh, yup, shut up, down, down. Uh, always before the note, like before the note. So, so that was what they call syncopation. It's always before, tit tat 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 against the boom, 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 boom. So I had to learn his language that he spoke in music. And the intervals that he used, and they were different, and he ended, and his songs was in these different intervals. And that was my problem, is to learn that because every time he says, oh, that's nice, that's wonderful, that's sentimental, that's nice, that's good, you're all right, but it's not what I want. So I'm figuring out what does he want. So... Through the years, anyway, I found out that I was using my head for all I know and not my heart for all I could do. And, you know, that's double thing, you know, and the spirit of, of it. So what he was trying to do was bring not what I know about music and play and in like that. He wanted the spirit. So the spirit was flowing in that. That what is he bringing out. And that's how I got in the band. I took all of the insults, or what you want to call them, <laughs> you know, and stood my ground and tried to bring out what he said I didn't bring out in the spirit of the music. Now, you said... You didn't understand what he was telling you in terms of the well, philosophies, oh, not not at least at first. We're going to the moon, and I'm saying, what? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, I was transmolecular through space. That what? No, now nothing rather than me saying or denying him or anything. Inside, I was kind of what. <laughs> Yeah, that's what he meant. See, so, no, it was confusing, yeah. you know. I, I think it's still confusing yeah, to some confused. people. I if mean, I tell you that, you'd be saying, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, no, not so quite so. It made sense, so I absorbed it. And to see what he was trying to do for me and the musicians and to, for the people with his music. I mean, is there, a, is there a simple way to explain for, for somebody who's not familiar with Sun Ra's philosophies? Is yeah. there a simple way to explain it? Have some discipline. Discuss it. It's like life is. Have some discipline. You want to learn is not what you like or what you want. It's what you get that's for your well-being, you see. So I needed some discipline. 
first thing, I needed a certain type of discipline in order to get his music or, or interpret his music. So that's what I needed. He knew it, that I didn't have that because I was always guessing, oh, 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 yeah, oh, 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 you know, like that. So I was the person that you'd come to him and he could analyze you. He is he was a, one of one of those natural leaders that analyze people and see their potential. So he must have saw the potential in me or something. Yeah. Uh, to tolerate my uh, my foolishness. Because <laughs> yeah. I had a lot when I was young. Yeah. So anyway, but I I, I did what I said I was going to do. I stood my ground. And the things I did not understand, I absorbed it, and I didn't make no comments because I didn't understand. So, mm-hmm. so I learned that way, and I learned through experience mm-hmm. from that. Mm-hmm. Now, his son Ra's discipline is kind of legendary. What were these rehearsals like well, for the orchestra? Everything you like to do, as young people like to do, Put it aside. And that's very hard, you know. You put it aside, music, 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 24 hours a day. And that was it. And if you play, play, and play every day, you go out, he'll say, wait a minute, I got something, find something. In other words, he keep you doing your youthful things, whatever it is, good or bad or indifferent. And and uh, do this before you go. But then, if you don't do it because you want to, if you're doing it because you don't want to, it take you a little longer so you don't get where you're supposed to be going. Because you mad, oh, I've got to go somewhere. See? So that's the way he would do. Put the insignificant things aside and learn. But were the were the rehearsals at this point the the really long rehearsals that you read long about? Rehearsals. Like yeah, we're talking how long? Twenty-four hour rehearsal. We rehearse all day, and we get up in the night mm-hmm. and rehearse again. So just continuous. Or he'll call you out of your bed, come down here and do this, and do that. So he was consistent. Why, why do you think um, the musicians that Sun Ra brought into the orchestra wanted this kind of discipline, wanted well, this type of regiment? Those, those men, see, Sun Ra says, you can't make a better world unless you lift the man out of the gutter. No matter or what background you had, if you had talent, you know, you put him in there and he'd give you his disciplines on mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So those things, because he proved that one day, I seen him myself. Guy was laying in the gutter drinking wine, and uh, we coming in the club to rehearse. So we went in to rehearse, and when he come out, he got up out of the gutter and wiped his dirty hands on his dirty clothes and wanted to shake everybody's hand, and the music got him out of the gutter because he said, oh, I never heard anything like that in my life. So... To make a better world, you see? Yeah. There you are. Play the music, make a better world. So if you're going to make a better world, you can't leave anybody in the gutter. Got to lift them. So you can do it through 
Many things I'm trying to do it through music. Sound. Sound body, sound mind. That's what they are. I was taught. Sound body, sound mind. Do it through sound. It's, uh, it's pretty cool that actually we're here in Montreal talking to you because Montreal actually played an important part in the band leaving Chicago and winding up someplace else. Yeah, that was the first uh, out-of-town gig I had. It was coming to Montreal in the 60s, I think it was the 60s, or 59 or 60s, somewhere in there. Yeah, that was the first out-of-town out of, uh, gig I had with the band. And the band, we had a large 15-piece band, but all the all the best musicians and all the ones that had been in the band long, they migrated to New York. So they was going on their journey to outer space on the, in, with their journey. So I left Sun Ra with only um, John Gilmore and myself, Ronnie Barkins, a singer, a drummer, and, and Walter Strickland play trumpet. So he had those, so we, we, we uh, had this gig in Montreal, so we come up here to play in 1960-something. And that's, that's when I had a seat then, yeah. a hot seat, I call it. <laughs> yeah, because I had to play all the parts. <laughs> See, and I was, I was right on it, but I did the best I could do. So what happened when you left Montreal? You guys were going to well, go? Well, we went to, we, we, we said we'd stop in New York and see some of the fellows from the band and check New York out. But on the way in, we got in New York and the taxi hit a car, which they were in the wrong, of course. <laughs> so we're going to sue the taxi company. So in order to sue the taxi company, we didn't have transportation home. So we took care of that, to, you know, filed the claim and all that. So then now there we stuck in New York, and uh, we said we got some money, we can go back home or we can get a place and wait for the uh, repair of the car yeah. with, the, you know, the taxi company to pay for this car. But uh, what it was, we got a place, and we started from nothing in, in New York. And that's how we, I got stuck in New York for 10 years. <laughs> so I said, oh, well, and now we're going to leave Sun Ra. And we all stayed there and got a place up, up on the west side, 80-some-odd street. And then we moved down to the village because it was a little cheaper down there. And uh, we wasn't doing too much work. But he began to build a band from New York which are heliocentric and all them, all them guys. Was some, he built another band. Yeah. And we didn't go back to Chicago. So how was the sound of the, the band changing in New York well, once you got he, to New York? Well, he began to get all kinds of little instruments to play on, string instruments, bells, you name them, he had it. And we made all these different sounds, yeah. you know. And uh, whether you could play them or not, he'd, he'd have you playing it. So if you could play one note, then you got a one note song. <laughs> string on the string or whatever. You know, so he'd, he'd give you time to practice. 
and he give you the instrument, and you play something on it. Right. And if you don't know anything, that was good, because you're going to play really what you feel. You understand? Yeah. You see, so in other words, that taught you something. And when you're playing what your heart say, you usually be play something that you wouldn't normally let it do because your mind's so square. See? How do you get out of the square then? That's the way you get out of it. Yeah. You do something that you don't know right. And you do the right thing that you intend to do. <laughs> In other ways from here, everybody goes through it. You might know this, but something else happened. Now, you're playing for a speech, a speech, everything is wonderful. But it don't go that way, you see. Just like it is now, it don't go that way. Uh, but basically, you got an idea, and you use the imagination, the magic carpet. It's sword of the distant lands, the climb, you see? Now, he'd be saying, and we'd be singing all those things, and never dawned on me, wait a minute. If it's a magic carpet, then I have to be the magic carpet. You see? Yeah. I put it to myself. All these things I didn't understand, you see. Going out of space, yeah, I can go. Put yourself and go. Sound. So they have sound to destroy. Sound. Put you together. Side tie you apart. So I'm going to use it. Put myself together. Can you share some sound with us right now? Uh, sound. That's the way I feel today. So that's the way every day I get up, I play the way I feel today. If I got a band, they got to play the way we feel today. Uh, we know what we felt yesterday because we played the music, and we'll take the same music and change it for today because today is not the same as yesterday. Would, would you be willing to show us today Which how you I feel? i show you that yeah. now. Okay. Thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
That's the way I feel today. Uh, I have different little instruments to uh, express yourself. So, really, what I what I do and what I can recommend what is uh, what sound, sound, sound. I like the sound. I like this sound.
to Danny Thompson, everybody. Let's get you a microphone. Anyway, to express a point of feeling, it's done through feeling. So if you feel, and I feel, 
then we can create something at the moment. Tomorrow to be different. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, we were talking about just really around the time, I guess, not that, not that far before you guys met. 1960s, New York City. 67. Yeah. 67. Uh, the sound of the orchestra is getting more experimental. Um, there's this so-called new thing going on, going by different names, free jazz, avant-garde. Did you guys feel like you were a part of that? I know Sun Ra had very strong opinions about being you know, included in that category. Absolutely. We was in the movement. They was surrounded around Sun Ra, really. It was coming in through him, like this movement. And we was down in, in uh, the East Village, and it was everything was going on around this time. All the musicians, experimental musicians, they're very good musicians, though. They was playing at the same time down there. So one of the main spots that I guess you guys took up residency, or really the main spot, was a place called? Slugs. It was a, it was a club in, in New York on the Lower East Side, on, th- uh, 480, on 3rd Street. It was a raggedy-looking club. It was sawdust on the floor. They had spittoons over there. It was really a like a dive. You know, you wouldn't really want to go, maybe. But they had the best music there, the best music ever. They had Archie Shep. They had um, Seppi Logan. They had um, they had all the bands down there. And <laughs> and Sun Ra was we was playing down there. We were performing down there. But when I first saw Sun Ra. I wasn't in the band yet, and I didn't know what to expect. So when I got there, I knew it was going to be something different because on on the stage, there was uh, Sun Ra, he on piano, and there was five drummers and five bass players on, on the stage. I'm like, well, where's the band going to sit? And the band was sitting down in front. Marshall, Allen, John Gilmore, everybody was sitting in front, and then the audience. And they started off the set, and I was sitting there. At 9 o'clock, I was there. At 4 o'clock, I was there. They hadn't stopped. I'm like, oh. <laughs> wow, this is something else. They played straight from, from 9 to 4. No, no breaks. It was like, a, like you're going to a construction job. You know, I mean, you working. You working and working and working. So when I got in the band, when I finally got in the band and um, I went that down and played, the only way we would take breaks was uh, we had a drummer named Clifford Jarvis would take a half hour drum solo, and you could kind of there was you could kind of sneak out to the side. There was there was a, where the restroom was, but there was you know it was hidden back there. You could smoke, uh, you know, call for a drink or something, but you better be back on stage when he stopped. Otherwise, Sunrise said you butchered his music. Uh, now, you weren't living in the house on 3rd Street at that no, point. No, no, The Sun Palace, right? Uh, now, you were living in the house on 3rd Street. Yeah. Well, what was that environment like? Well, like we got... We had to move from uptown, okay? And we moved down the village where the action was. So we was playing in, in, in the coffee clubs and stuff. The coffee coffee shop and all the little clubs down in the village. 
And wasn't much money, but you could eat and get coffee to go home. <laughs> you know, hey, that's a big thing back then. Yeah. And uh, we played a lot of music. I used a lot of musicians and things like that down there. But that's the way we survived in the village. So then we began to get the village musicians and got the, what's the name of the spot? Slugs. Yeah, slugs. So the slugs was uh, every Monday we had a gig, every Monday. And and the musicians would come out to hear you too yeah, because so, they yeah. were all off work, right? And so. then they had all the all the musicians that would go there and play. But we had this Monday spot. It was the only spot left was Monday, and uh, we'd some Ralph go in and play from nine to four. Mm-hmm. What, what was living with Sun Ra like? <laughs> well, it's like living at home when you were, when you're younger and you want to leave. You know, you're living at home. You know what it's like. <laughs> so it's the same way I'm living with Sun Ra and I got to buy by the house rules you know right? like like the young people and the parents you know you, you know so I could do things but I didn't do too much because uh, he was on my case he kept me busy I mean it's a I mean, we've all read, I guess, like he had rules about drinking and smoking well, and relationships. Well, you could do a lot of things if you... It wasn't something so different. What was so different about it was more discipline and more practicing and more leaving everything, little things in life that we like, out. And that hurts, especially when you're younger, you know? It hurts to leave leave out. Oh, I can't go drinking at night in the club because I got to rehearse. Oh, I can't do it or something else, you know, other thing. But it's like family, you know. If you if you got strict parents, everybody knows what it's like. You know, they get in your way sometimes when you want to do something. You know, but to give you some discipline, and I had to take all of that, whether I liked it or not. But find out it was better for me because I stayed out of a lot of other, other troubles and things. <laughs> now, you guys had a lot, the, the orchestra had a lot of admirers, obviously, in terms of your fellow musicians. But, I mean, did, you I mean, you said this yesterday when we were talking, how when you first saw the orchestra, you were like, whoa, what's going on with yeah, these guys? when I first saw the orchestra was at Old Tunsi Center for African Culture. They was, um, uh, Coltrane was playing. And I want to go see Coltrane. And when I got there, I saw these people over in the corner. It was, it wasn't like I was scared, you know, they're going to beat me up or nothing like that. It was like, oh no, that's a different vibe. I'm not going over there. <laughs> I'd never seen nobody like that. And I was like, no, I'm not going over there. So Marshall, after this concert, Marshall said, Danny, come here. I went over there, and everybody was smiling. It was like, oh, wow, hey, 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 Danny, hey. It was so nice. I said, phew. I I didn't know what was going to happen. But, I mean, at that point already, the outfits on stage and stuff were getting more elaborate, I would imagine. Sunra always had um, costumes. Sunra was, a, a, this band is a show band. So he grew up a show band, 
and we were show band. Everything, we have costumes, uh, uniforms, and we put on a different outfit for a different um, city. He had a different name for the, for the band. Sometimes it would be Sunrise Intergalactic Orchestra, Sunrise and his um, Cosmic Orchestra, Sunrise and his Orchestra. There was a lot of names for, for the different concerts we was playing. And um, we had different costumes. We always had costumes, outer space costumes. Even in Chicago, before I got in there, they had costumes. We call them uniforms, but... You match a uniform up to one's personality, you know. One was look good on colors. Uh, the ladies know about colors and and uh, like things like that. They know that well. Um, you put on the... Today, you put on the colors, your colors. You got your colors. You're cool. So... <laughs> He used lights, he used strobe lights, he used uh, colors to, and the music and costumes. All of this is designed to bring the music out to you. Yeah. You see? Even, even when we went to a hotel, Sunrise had a thing when we go to a hotel. We playing all night, we might have drove to get there, flew to get there. We played the game. We're not even going to the hotel. We played. We're tired. We get to the hotel. Everybody would have to wait downstairs. And whoever's the manager in Sunrise would go up and all, check all the rooms out and see if the colors was right in the room for the musicians that were going to stay there. Now, you can imagine if you, oh, man, here we go again. We gotta. So one night, Sunrise was really tired. And he said, well, just give out the rooms. I said, okay. I gave out the room. The next morning, everybody was complaining. Man, that room, I didn't like that room. I didn't like that room. This room, the color was wrong. Everything was wrong, so we, it worked. <laughs> we, we, we do that now, even, still. <laughs> he was on to something then. Yeah, yeah. he was on to something, yeah. <laughs> I mean... Have you ever stayed in a hotel room where it's not, something not right? Yeah. And you want to move? It's too late. You have, yeah. You ever stayed in a hotel room that you didn't like? Yeah. Check the room out first. And if it, if it, if it doesn't vibe with you, it doesn't feel your vibrations, try to get another one. Check the color, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the 60s, with this new thing happening, was very tied to... Um, activism, black nationalism. Um, Sun Ra's philosophies obviously had different components of that uh, as a part of it. But how how much of that you know informed what you guys did you know as members of the orchestra? If we came from nowhere here, why can't we go somewhere, somewhere there? there? Simple, isn't it? Why can't we go somewhere there? And the and he, he put all his poetry sounds, um, things, into lyrics for songs. So he said, greetings from the century of 21, 21st, 21st century. century. Greetings from the century of 21, 21st century. See? But those of the 21st century. Back in the 50s, he said, this music's not for today, for these people. It's for 
the 21st century. And I said, oh, that's 50-something years from now. Oh, my gosh, I'd be too old to play. <laughs> you know, no, I mean, in my head, you know. Sunrise had if a, I had tell you 50 years from now, you'd say, oh, my gosh, I'd be 60 <laughs> or something. I won't be able to mark. Sunrise had a, a certain, he had a, he had a certain thing he always said. He said, he said, fellas, now years from now, they'll still be playing my kindergarten stuff. They'll just be learning my kindergarten stuff. I couldn't figure out what he was talking about. So one day at rehearsal, uh, not too long ago, Marshall brought out a, I don't know where he got it from. It was some piece of music that was almost, <laughs> it was really old. And Marshall said, this is Sunrise wrote this. And we, we, we tried to play it. <laughs> it was very hard. I think we finally got it, but it took us a long time to get it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Sunrise had, uh, his rehearsals was uh, something. He'd rehearse, and uh, in, in Philadelphia, we'd rehearse all day. We'd have dinner, he'd cook dinner, we'd rehearse all night, and at all times of night, day and night. And like Marshall was saying, if you wanted to go somewhere, he he stayed downstairs, and he very rarely slept. He had catnaps. So he could hear, he'd wake up like, and if you was, don't get dressed, you're coming downstairs Friday night, you know, you're ready to sneak out, to go out and have a good time. And, oh, Danny, can you come here? I got a tune I want you to play. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> the night is gone. About three hours later, you... But, but it, was, it, was, it was worth it. You know, I can't deny it. it was worth it. Now, by that point... You had moved to Philly. You had relocated from New York to Philly. Right. So how did how did the house on Morton Street happen? I was in New York, so things was getting uh, different in New York. We had to get out of there because uh, someone needed a place much quieter, you know, to study and, and, and more space because it was kind of crowded up there where we was in New York. Anyway... Uh, my father had uh, two or three houses, so he he was gonna lure me down to come down to stay with. You know, he got, give me a house, come on down, come on down. So I go down there, and there's Martin Street. So I said, "Oh yeah, something I would like this. That everybody have a room, and we got enough space to rehearse and everything, instead of that little room we had in uh, New York." <laughs> So I come down here and um, hammer and nail and fix the thing, clean the house so we could move in. And that's how summer I got the house in. My father said, yeah, it's your house. I said, no, I don't want it. Sell it to Sunrock because he needs a place to work, which he did, you know. So he just sold it for Sunrock for a dollar. And uh, so that took the responsibility off of me, I thought. <laughs> but, but you know, I didn't want to. I didn't want to be bothered with all of that. Give it to Sunrise; he needs it. So that's the way he got the house, and it's still in his name. So, but uh, I lived there free, rent free, and all of that. So it's good. Um, How many members of the orchestra were living what? in the house in Philly? Um, at one time, about. Maybe five or six. Two it was upstairs. two upstairs, two in the second, three. Three, three upstairs. 
three upstairs, two in in, in second floor, and we had a lot of people that would three come come to rehearsal. I'll come from different cities. Musicians would come from different cities. Two or three floating. <laughs> and they would stay there. You know, when you get up, they get in. <laughs> it was there was a lot of people there. And some of them didn't move like regular people. It took them a year to move. <laughs> the reason I know, because Pat Patrick gave me the keys to the station wagon, and I was gung-ho and said, yeah, I drive, yeah. Can you drive? Yeah, man, I can drive. I've been driving ever since. And I had to drive every day back and forth to New York. Somehow I would, he was for about a year. He, <laughs> he, he was moving in. He was getting things right. But I'm still the driver now with the band. Some things never change. So, <laughs> so be careful when you say, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> you might be doing it for the rest of your life. <laughs> Danny, you were also, I mean, along this whole time, the records are being released independently, self-pressed, self-released through Saturn, L Saturn, I guess, is the name of the label. And at at certain points, you were in charge of that as well. Well, as far as the distribution of it. Right, right. We was doing a lot of, uh, we was pressing our own records. And and at first it was done in Chicago. And then Sun Ra we started doing them in, in Philadelphia. We had the house there so we could we could press our own records. We There was a pressing plant in Philadelphia and there's one in New York. We used different ones. And this one, they had vinyl. And uh, we, uh, we used to press the records. And then we'd wait for the labels to come from Chicago. So then we said, we're going to make some different kind of uh, labels and pitch and records. So we had... These other, we glued these labels on. We may have had some labels printed up, and we cut them out, and we glue them on the records downstairs. That that got too too much, you know, that glue in in your system. So we figured we we're gonna go modern. So we have the paste, you know, you pull off and then paste on. So we have the record, the record labels, and then we get the records pressed. There was blank labels, and then we have the um, um, uh, the covers. So we doing the covers. We put different things on the covers and different paintings. So we was all painting the covers. So if you have a hand-painted cover of a Sunrise album, you got a classic, I'm telling you, because they, we did each one different. And most of the guys, we did them, we painted them different things. And so you got something that nobody else has. And um, I saw one, some, somebody told me he had, Two thousand dollars, he was gonna sell one. I'm like, man, what did I miss out on? <laughs> but but uh, we would we do the records and then we distribute them ourselves. And I had some distributors. I go so like if you wanted, you lived in Boston. Say you lived in Boston and you had a record company, and you wanted X amount of records. At that time, you know you had to, there was not two problems at the uh, airports. So I would go to the airport with these albums. And take them to the uh, to Boston, meet the guy at the airport, get get our money, and fly back. Same day, and boom. And Europe, I did it in Europe, and so we had we had a record company going on then. But that's why these records are like impossible to find now. Yeah. Oh, at least the original ones. Yeah, yeah. But 
at the same time, I mean, the thing that's that's so cool is that while these albums were really hard to find when they came out, now you know people can hear them right, because right. everybody has this appreciation for the legacy of of the orchestra. Right. I mean, I'm just really interested to know how you guys were able to maintain the orchestra because it sounds like it was a struggle financially. And, you know, it, it was obviously amazing experiences, but, you know, was it, was it difficult to not want to go and do other things and pursue other opportunities as a musician? Well, yes, it was difficult because you don't make no money and you don't spend no money. And you, you got a place to stay. It's just like I'm saying, being at home with your parents, you might not have the money, but you got a place to stay and a place you can eat and like that. But that's not enough, really, down the line. So I had to go out and find some work so I could have a little money. And then don't remiss miss rehearsals so he fixed the rehearsals so I go out if I work eight hours I come and I rehearse two or three or four hours before I go to bed see so that's that was it didn't have no money still don't have none so go to work and make money and then we play a job and there's still not enough money because somehow I would have 15, 16, 20 people on bandstand so you know wasn't much money going around to the individuals but uh, that's the way it was so I'd go get me a job I always had me a little extra job on the side yeah yeah me too it's funny you go to, we were on a good playing job right Oh, we got a good paying job. And you see, here come a cast of thousand. Where are these guys coming from? Everybody's showing up. It'd be like, from went from 10 to 25 on the stage. I'm like, come on, man. But somehow I wanted, wanted uh, teaching the musicians to, to do business themselves, be business mind. You understand? Business mind. And that way, without the money that that goes somewhere else, will come to you if you if you mind a business. So he teach us to do the things ourselves, and not depend on other people. I mean, other one thing about Sunrock, and this was in in the seventies, in the sixties and seventies, and the eighties, we was going going to Europe with twenty five pieces for like seven months, six months, eight months at a time. And, you know, it's not easy, it's not easy now, you know, as far as financially. You're going with 25 people, it's 30 people, maybe sometimes 30 people we're going out of the country with. You try to do that, it's not easy. And, and we managed to survive and come back with a little something, you know, wouldn't get rich, but you know, got something. One of one of the things musically, um, I think, as you know, you come out of these more experimental eras. Although it's been maintained over the entire course of the orchestra, is this is this balance between traditional sounds and sounds that push the boundaries? Oh. I mean, it's it's this it's this really 
and you maintain it now even. It's, it's this really reverential to jazz's history and the music's history, but also very progressive still. And I just wonder how you maintain that. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Someone said there were some great music musicians that came before us that were great and good sounding bands and good musicians. So the kind of band we have to have is a show band. They had dancers, comedians with the bands in those days. And they also, Duke Ellington, uh, Fletcher Henderson, you can go name all these bands. So he said, when we play for the people, we'll give them the history of all of those who've been forgotten in the new age, you know. So we go back from 1920s and play music from all of those bands on up to today. And then in the meantime, you play the bebop area, come in here, play, got music from there. So what we do when we play, if we have a long enough time, We'll, we'll play a, a little bit from the old days that the, the musicians give a treasure of music to the world for all of us. And they were good musicians, and they gave us that beautiful music. So we should honor them by playing it, right? So somehow honored all of the musicians before us honor their music up until today. And that's the way we, our band, we like, you get a little bit of history. You get a bit, you get a little bit of the old days and right on up to time, how, how m m music moved step to step, step to step with different ideas. See? Because you had all these bands with different sound and different Things like Duke Ellington, Count Basie, Fletcher Anderson, you got hundreds of bands. So we honor, we got music from all of these bands. So when you're playing their music, you play it as if you were there then. Play it like them to honor them. So that's why we have a show band where you dance and you clown, you do whatever you speak, you can do everything. Instead of just sitting there playing your horn and and sitting, you see. So it, it, he had a show band where we used colors, dancers, comedians, and everything, lights, strobe lights, and things, and, and stuff. We we um some Marshall was saying this earlier. Uh, when we play, we want to play happiness because there's so much stuff going on in this world today. It's terrible. All this crazy enough. So the the public, the people, you need some happiness. At least some happiness, a ray of hope or happiness that something's gonna everything's gonna be all right eventually. And we like to project happiness. So sometimes you hear all these things you don't wanna hear, but you need. You need. Cause a, a lear, uh, your ear anyway is like a harp and you got strings in it, I guess down in there. So you hear a lot of stuff, and if you play on a lot of stuff in this, you wear it down, and then up here, the only time you you hear something up there is something you don't, you can't recognize. If you hear, 
you see? Because that's a very different sound. So just the ear is that. So you have to, the ear is like a harp, you know. You play on the strings, you don't want to play it, play, 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 right there, right there, right there, right there, you wear it out, you know. So you got to play. You get all the different sounds. And the more sounds that you hear, that you don't recognize, is better for you in life because the universe got more than that. You see? And the strange sounds. So we, we use those sounds. So that's why we play space music or ambient God, call it what you like, but it's going beyond our foundation is already set. So it's going beyond the foundation. And it's going from here down, down, to there, to there, to there, to there, to there, to there, to there. Spiral. May of, uh, May of 1993, Sun Ra uh, left this planet. What do you remember about that experience of, his, of Sun Ra leaving the planet? Yeah, you said transmolecular. Now, um, who am I to say he didn't? And when he said he did. And then I wonder myself, well, you can believe it or not, though it's what he said. Uh, so there you go. So I'm still at it. I don't know. I've, you know, I've seen someone come to me in some visions. And it wasn't like I was asleep. It was like and I was dreaming. It was a vision. And he came to me and she told me some things. And he only stays two minutes, like a minute or something. He's gone. But... Um, I've, he's come to me and, you know, and so I'm, I said, well, maybe I'm doing something all right. <laughs> so I'm, but um, he was he was a very, you ever been with somebody that, you know, you take for granted maybe at a, at a certain time, then later on in years, oh, how happy was this cat, you know? Like, damn, this guy was something. He, he was a, he was a genius. Um, some, he told us that this is creator's band. This band is the creator's band. And the creator puts in who he wants, takes out who he wants, and puts back in who he wants. So sometimes some guys show up, they're in the band. We don't know where they come from, or why they're there, but they're in the band. And then some guys got to leave. Created one of them out for a minute, you know, and we got another band. It's frustrating in a sense because you were used to rehearsing with a certain amount of people, certain people, and you get a ton of sound, get tight, and here comes somebody else. So now you got to go over this again and do that and keep doing that. It's it's difficult. I have to give Marshall credit. He's, he's good at it. I'm a Gemini. <laughs> so you can take it from there. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Gemini like Sunra. It's Gemini. But uh, I'm playing music all these years. What am I playing music for? I mean, you know, really, you stop saying, what am I doing this for? So 
I finally figured out. They say music can make you cry, music can make you happy. Music is a very emotional thing. It does many things for you. Music can heal you, and then I guess it can kill you too, you know, really. Um, so I said, well, now I'm going to use the music for my well-being. That's the only way I'm doing it. Now, if I'm well-built, I don't care if I got a dollar or not. It's no, no, that, that stuff don't bother me. If you were your well-being does, though. So I've made up my mind. I said, yeah, I'm going to continue Sunrise music. And it's, and it's some of his ideas that I thought was a dream or something and try to make it into reality. So that's what I'm doing now. I'm still playing the music for my well-being, so... I can give you something, too, you see. So I'm not playing for just money or fame, none of that. I'm playing for my well-being because if I wasn't well-being, I wouldn't play no music because I wouldn't have no desire to play. I have my desire to fulfill the mission that I set out to do, you see. If you're trying to get money, you're playing for money with this band, you're in the wrong band. Yeah. You ain't going to make it. No, you better do something ain't else. Ain't going to make it. No, you ain't making it. No, it's... But if you're playing for your well-being, come welcome. <laughs> Sometimes, well, we had 100 pieces. Sunrise had 100 pieces twice in New York. Twice. A 100-piece band. We got guys from... The musicians from all over, and so I had to pay everybody at one one of the gigs, and I had a list. I was just sitting down. Here's your five dollars. Here's your five dollars. Here's your five. And everybody, thank you, thank you. And these are these are like, you know, well paid musicians. Thank you, thank you, thank. You. But it was it was it was the music. Somehow I had a talent for bringing out something that you didn't even know you had inside you. And when you found it out and you wondered, how did I play that? How did that come out? You hear it, maybe you hear it back saying, I know a, a musician um, named Von Freeman from Chicago. They asked him, um, how, does he, how does he play this? And he said, the creator just puts it in my horn, horn and he plays me. And I don't know what, I don't know how I did that. And that's like this Sunrise band was like this. Sunrise music is like that. You wonder, how, how did I do it? I wish I could do it. And then you try to do it again, and you ain't going to do it. Maybe something else you can do, but it's it's a vibration that the creator just takes over your horn, he wraps his wings around you, and he plays your horn. And you wonder, how did I play that? It wasn't you. Something that was another being grabbing your horn. I mean, you just mentioned continuing the mission. How much do you feel an obligation to pass along the philosophies as well as the music to the new musicians who might join the orchestra? Is it for them to figure out, or is it something that you also um, share with them? Those things, uh, when, you're, when you, you go to see a band or you see a show or whatever, up to individuals seeking different 
different things from what they go see, right? So that's a learning experience in life anyway. It's the same way. You want to come here and you want to see what we're saying. I'm saying what if you do, you understand? You get what you what you go go for. Now each person got a different thing they go for, you see? So by playing music like this, a spiral never ending, I can give all of you something. Because down in the spiral comes your turn. You see? So that's the way it is. And nothing is done like bap bap. It's not like that. It's always when your turn as an individual comes. Because it goes and it never, it never goes to, to, to stop. No. <laughs> you see? Uh, I think it's going to be these guys' turn to ask a few questions. But before that, I just want to say, join me in thanking Danny and Marsha. Hey, this is Jordan Rothline again. Thanks for listening to Couch Wisdom. Before you go, I just wanted to take a minute to tell you a little bit about the Red Bull Music Academy. The whole thing is a world-traveling series of music workshops and events. If you want to find out more, check us out at redbullmusicacademy.com. Also, if you liked what you heard on this podcast and you're not already subscribed, please go for it and consider rating us while you're at it. It really helps other people discover the podcast. Finally, there's a whole world of other great music programming like this to check out at redbullradio.com. That's all for now. Thanks for listening.